0: Good morning again, everyone. Uh, My name is Nathan Harris. I am the lead pastor here at Celebration Center. And whether you're a regular with us or you're a guest this morning, thank you. Thank you for joining us, for being part of our worship this morning in song, and also in hearing the word together today. We're going to be looking, continuing our time looking at the short letter or book in the New Testament called Philippians. Now, this is what we're going to be talking about this morning is pretty challenging. I hope it's going to be encouraging for you, but it's also going to be very challenging. I know it has been for me as I've been doing the study and prep and and all of that. So uh, I just want you to know ahead of time I am not uh, talking at anybody or down to anybody, but I, I really want all of us to join together hearing this message and being able to move forward together as a community of faith. Now. Just as way of reminder, Philippians was written by the Apostle Paul to the Christians in the ancient city of Philippi. Now, this was a group of people very dear to Paul. They were very good friends, uh, both because they had a shared past together. They had spent a lot of time together. Paul had planted this church. They spent a a number of, uh, or or a season, I should say, together, Um, but also because of their shared mission. All right? Their shared mission was that they were partners together in the gospel, in the message that God has at long last fulfilled his promises to make all things right, to come back, to, to pour out his grace and his love on the world through Jesus, the Messiah. So they had this deep affectionate friendship with each other. And beyond that, they were working together for the same thing. They were pulling together in the same direction. They were both putting their hands to the same work where they were at in their their separate locations, in their different circumstances, but they were working together for the gospel. Last week, we looked at our need to follow the example of Jesus if we are going to live the message and implication of the gospel as a community. And if, you miss, if you've missed any of this series, I encourage you, go to our website, ccpuyallup.com, uh, scroll to the bottom of the page, and you can click on either the sermon podcast link or the YouTube link there, and you can get all caught up. I encourage you to do that. It would be really good. This week, we're going to be looking at Philippians chapter 1, verse 27, through chapter 2, verse 4. It sounds longer than it is. It's actually two short paragraphs. There's a lot in these. Uh, So, like I said, like I've said, I think every other week, um, there's so much here, we can't cover it all. But I'm going to hit some things that I think are really important and, you know, specifically for where we're at right now and our point in history uh, as we are living, whether you're here with us in Puyallup or, or maybe you're watching online um, from, from somewhere else, uh, wherever you're at, this message this morning is for us. It speaks directly to our current situation. So I want to encourage you, open your Bibles or your Bible apps uh, to Philippians chapter 1 verse 27 and we're going to begin there. We're going to pick it up here. This is the Apostle Paul writing. He says this, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. Without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you, This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. Chapter 2. Value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. You know, this uh, past Mother's Day weekend, just this last weekend, was really nice. I know uh, we broke some uh, good uh, weather records here in Puyallup. Uh, it was very warm. My kids wanted to be outside a lot, and specifically, they wanted to play baseball Um, they're missing being able to to do that. And, and so they wanted daddy to go outside with them so that they could hit the ball. I'm supposed to pitch it to them and, and they are supposed to hit the ball. And just with, I, just as I did with my son, Caleb, when he was younger, I spent time instructing my daughter, Abigail, uh, in how to stand, hold the bat and keep her eye on the ball. And by the end of the weekend, Abby was, hitting the ball more often than not. It was a lot of fun. Uh, The way we had it set up was they would take turns and their, their turns were delineated by either five hits or three strikes, uh, whichever came first. And it was fun. They were enjoying uh, trading on and off with, with this. They were cheering each other on. It was a lot of fun. You know, I think that game that I was playing with my kids is a pretty good picture of what Paul is doing in our passage this morning. As he sits in a prison cell a long way away from the Philippians, he is coaching them. He's urging them on their stance and what attitude they need to take for the situation they find themselves in, in their present at that time in history. But in this case, there's a lot more at stake than learning to hit a baseball. The very life of this faith community hangs in the balance And as one commentator put it, the problem is not schism. In other words, there's not this major uh, division in the church, okay? Rather, there's posturing and bickering, there's selfish ambition, empty conceit, complaining and arguing. In other words, they're all kind of after their own stuff for their own purposes. And he goes on and he says, at the stake, or excuse me, at stake is the gospel in Philippi, Christ himself, if you will. You see, the Philippians, they're experiencing pressure from the outside world and its values, trying to tell them who they're supposed to be, what they're supposed to be like, the way that they're supposed to behave, what they should do, what they should believe. All of these things are coming in and trying to uh, uh, derail them from their life in Christ. But you see, they're not ready to stand firm through the trial because their house is not altogether in order. So Paul is urging them from the position of their friendship together to be unified and steadfast together for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of their witness together of Jesus Christ. You guys, we are currently in a situation where we need to hear these words for ourselves. We don't have to scroll very far down the Facebook posts to see the divide we are in. Unfortunately, I see it creeping in to the church as well. People with differing views about the current situation and how it's being dealt with are doubling down on their positions and engaging in the us versus them way that the world deals with problems. You're either for us or you're against us. If you're not for us, you are our enemy and you are going to be treated as an enemy. You guys, when we live this way, when we allow ourselves to be pulled in this direction, we are not living the love of God. We're not living the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we are being called right now into a different way of life. So I'm going to go right into this. I told you it's challenging this morning and and, and it's challenging for me. I have been challenged as I have done the study for this coming up. I've had to look at my own life and, and see some areas and some things some some attitudes that I've been having. So I want to invite you into this process to allow these words to allow the word of God to speak to you this morning and to challenge you wherever you you are at. So number 1, to live the gospel, we must keep our eye on the ball. To live the gospel, we must keep our eye on the gospel or on the we must keep our eye on the ball, excuse me. Like my daughter has had to learn to keep her eye on the ball as she's learned to hit, we need to keep our focus as we live as citizens of heaven here and now. Specifically, this means that we need to be steadfast and unified together. I'm going to go back to chapter Philippians 1, uh, verses 27 through 30. I want to read through that, and as I read through it, I'm going to talk about it a little bit. Let's, let's hear what Paul has to says, say, excuse me, verse 27. Whatever happens, he says. So Paul is referring to the situation that he's talked about. And again, you can go back to our previous message. You can get caught up if you missed out what that was, but he's in prison, okay? And and whether his circumstances turn out in his release or his execution, he says, whatever happens conduct yourselves now he's talking about a way of life but specifically a really good way to translate this phrase conduct yourselves would be live as citizens remember Paul is addressing this church in Philippi as a colony as people who belong to to uh, to heaven to God as part of God's family that they are called as this colony, to live the life of God wherever they are at. And so he's he's calling on their citizenship as part of God's family, saying, conduct yourselves, live your life as citizens in a manner worthy of the gospel. What is this manner worthy of the gospel of Christ? Well, he talked about it all the way back in chapter 1, verses 9 through 11, when he was praying for them, he said, listen, this is my prayer for you, that your love would continue to grow more and more and that they would continue to mature by growing in the knowledge and understanding of how it is God wants them to live, how he wants them to behave, how he wants them to, to live out life. In other words, you guys, the, the bickering, the vain conceit, the selfish ambition are all out of keeping with their citizenship with their belonging to God. Live your lives, conduct yourselves, live as citizens in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Then whether I come to you and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit. As one commentator put it, Paul's point is that their being one in Christ is the direct result of the Spirit's presence in their individual and their community life. You see, the the Spirit is the source of their unity, and they've all been given the Spirit. They've all been given the Spirit. We have also been given the Spirit, you guys. Paul goes on, striving together as one in the faith of the gospel. They're going to be able to strive together for the gospel precisely because they are unified by the Spirit. Verse 28, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. In other words, by living this way, they're going to gain courage for their present situation. This, Paul says, is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. Verse 29, for it has been granted. Literally, it's been graced to you on behalf of Christ. Not only to believe in him. So their faith, this, this ability to believe in Jesus has been gifted to them. But he goes on and he says something very radically. He says, but also to suffer for him. Your very suffering is a grace from God, he says. Since, verse 30, since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have Paul calls the Philippians to keep their eye on the ball to stay the course as a community whose purpose it is to bring the life of heaven into every situation they find themselves in both in the community around them in their city but also in their community of believers you guys this is how we need to live I remember being in the eighth grade on the junior high baseball team, one game I got up to bat, and I think I closed my eyes uh, when I swung. I made contact with the ball, but I thought, as I had closed my eyes, that, that I foul-tipped the ball over the backstop, and so I stepped back into the batter's box, and I'm getting ready to swing again, until I realize, I look around and I realize that the catcher and the umpire don't have their masks on, and they're just looking at me like, what are you doing? And slowly as I'm looking at them and wondering what is happening here, all of a sudden the noise from the crowd reaches my ears, and I hear the words, RUN! I almost made it to first base. (laughs) I had taken my eye off the ball, I didn't realize where I was at in the game, and I, I still almost made it to first base. You guys, when we don't keep our eye on the ball, When we don't live as citizens of heaven together, bringing the life of heaven to our community and to this body of believers, we won't accomplish the purpose God has for us. We can't. We can't do it. So I want to ask you a question, very pointed. And again, this is a question I've had to answer myself this week as I've, as I've prepared for this message. How are you at living as citizens in a manner worthy of the gospel? How are you doing at standing firm with others, with other believers in the one spirit? There's no condemnation here. There's no, I'm not looking down my nose at anybody because I don't get it right all of the time. I know you don't. And it's not required that we do, but... Paul, uh, God through Paul is, is calling us into this life where we are continually progressing and we do that through the spirit. God, the good news, you guys, is that we don't have to do it on our own. God gives us his very spirit, the very, his presence and power to be able to accomplish this. The question is, are we leaning into that? Are we keeping our eyes on the prize? So to speak, are we moving forward in this way? To live the gospel, we have to keep our eyes on the ball. Number two, to live the gospel, we must commit to each other. To live the gospel, we must commit to each other. Have you ever not been able to count on somebody yeah, You know what I'm talking about? You've experienced them letting you down. I remember one time I was doing some premarital counseling with a couple. I wasn't doing their wedding, but they came to me for counseling uh, to get some uh, keys for marriage and, and tools and being able to work out relationship stuff and, and all of that. They were excited to get married, or or at least I, I thought that they were as I was going into this. But as, we, as I did the premarital sessions with them, it, it became very clear that the groom-to-be was not all in with his bride. You see, he didn't want to combine finances with her. He had been listening to a bunch of guys at his work talk about their horror stories and their divorces and listening to their advice. And out of that, he was very suspicious of his bride. He didn't want to combine finances, he wanted to keep some stuff back for himself in the event that he needed it later on down the road. You see, he was acting out of fear and self-preservation. He was not all in with his bride. To live the gospel, we must commit to each other. And the way we commit to each other is by going all in with each other through a life of humility. I'm going to go to Philippians 2, verses 1 through 4. Again, I'm going to read it and and talk about it as we go along. Verse 1, Paul says, Therefore, so in other words, Paul is talking, what he's going to say next is pulled directly out of what he has just said about keeping their eye on the ball, so to speak, as, as living as citizens in a manner worthy of the gospel. He says, Therefore, If you have any encouragement, he's going to he's going to do a number of if statements here. And this isn't like, well, you don't have to do this if you haven't experienced it. The idea here is that they have experienced it. And he's simply reminding them that they have experienced it. These are rhetorical statements where he says, hey, remember this? Yeah, now I'm going to tell you something that you need to do in light of these things. He says, if you have any encouragement or consolation, specifically in suffering from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if you've experienced God's love, what he has done for you as individuals, but also as a community, if any comfort from his love, he says, if any common sharing in the spirit, if, if if you are together as one in the spirit of god as god has already given you his spirit that that's the idea here if any tenderness and compassion if you, if in other words if you have experienced god's tenderness and compassion for you verse 2 then make my joy complete you see as as a pastor paul's concern is for the well-being of his friends And he wants to see them grow and flourish. So his joy is bound up with their becoming mature. So he says, make my joy complete by being like-minded. In other words, having the same disposition toward one another. He goes on having the same love, the same love they've experienced from God. Now turn it around and direct it toward one another. Be conduits of God's love, he says. He goes on, being one in spirit and of one mind. In other words, wrap your whole being about this. Every part of you, the the physical, the immaterial, your thoughts, your attitudes, your actions, everything about you is wrapped up in being for each other. Verse 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility. Value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Paul is calling the Philippians away from self-preservation of any kind and into a life that serves others by laying life down for them. To live the gospel, they must commit to each other as they have been on the receiving end of God's commitment to them as individuals and as a community. This is the life you and I are called to. But how do we do it? How do we live this? I mean, I don't know about you, but I think this is pretty challenging. And I can't just pull myself up by my own bootstraps and do it. You guys, to live... The humble life Paul is talking about in this paragraph, we need to go all in with e- with each other by thinking of others. You know, sometimes I'm forgetful. I I, I lose sight of some things that I need to get done. I, I lose sight of the the needs and the wants of, of, of people around me. I've done that with my family. I'm not proud of it. I'm confessing it. True confessions here. Um... You know, so I'm human right alongside all of you. But I was struck this past week with the realization that the times I forget and overlook people is because I'm not thinking about them. Oh, I might be thinking about them, but it's in terms of what they're thinking about me. So really, a lot of times in my forgetfulness, the action that I'm taking on their behalf is more about me trying to preserve me in front of them, trying to look good in front of them and trying to bolster what they think about me. And so in in those moments, I'm being selfish. I'm not thinking about them. How about you? Do you ever think more about what others are thinking about you than you are about spending time putting yourself in their shoes thinking about them? Do you ever spend time thinking about preserving yourself more than you do about giving away what you do have for the sake of someone else? In this paragraph we just looked at, Paul is clear that living the gospel is directly tied to giving away what we have for the sake of others around us. And in order to do that, we've got to put ourselves in their shoes, Because when we do that, we are living the full life of love. The comfort and unity we've received from the God who has radically loved us. To live the life of the gospel, we must commit to each other through humility. Serving each other as we have been loved and served. And it starts by thinking about others, by putting ourselves in their shoes next week we're going to look at what this takes and it's going to be very challenging let me tell you it's going to be very challenging but you know what we are living in a challenging time not only are we facing health concerns and and choices along those lines but we're also faced with a decision as to whether we will be formed by the world's way of living that us versus them mentality that our politics and ideologies are steeped in or whether we will choose to live the life of the gospel for our city and each other through humble service, even at cost to ourselves. What will you choose today? How will you live in this time whether you agree with with the way things are being handled right now and and the calls that have been made and you just think that everybody who's disagreeing right now is just off their rocker okay are you going to love and pray for and honor them as human beings created in the image of god through praying for them maybe offering a word of encouragement to them maybe even forgiving them or whether you disagree with everything that's uh with the with the situation and how it's being handled and 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 you think that those in charge are, are off their rockers are you going to go the way of the world and the us versus them mentality or are you going to honor them as God's creation are you going to honor them for their position because you guys, frankly, we're told to do that. That's actually part of our witness of the gospel is, is, and how we honor God is that we honor them through praying for them, offering words of encouragement, not casting dispersions at them. What will we choose today? How are we going to live this out? That's our challenge One of the ways we can begin to do this is by praying with and for each other. And so to that end, I want to invite you all Wednesday, May 27th. You heard it in the announcements already this morning, but we are going to have a church prayer meeting. We're going to do a, it's about an hour long. It's Wednesday night, 7 p.m., 7 to 8 p.m. We're gonna have a time where uh, there's probably gonna. We haven't planned it all out yet, uh, but I'm thinking there's gonna be maybe a song or two together. We're gonna to do. Um, uh, we're gonna do a little word of encouragement, and then there's gonna be some guided prayer where a, a few different people are gonna lead us through prayer in some specific areas. And and this is a way for us to be able to stand firm together with and for each other in the one spirit to live our citizenship in a manner worthy of the gospel. So I wanna invite you, put it on your calendar, make time, be there. Um, and it's gonna be live, we're going to, it's gonna be through Zoom. We're gonna do it through Zoom, so it's gonna be a live thing. And we're gonna participate with each other that way. And you, it, there'll be more details coming for that in the link provided. But you guys, I, I, this is important for us right now to live this way, because there's a world watching. And we've got needs directly in our own community that need to be met and, and we can only meet those as we are living as citizens in a manner worthy of the gospel. Let me pray for us. Jesus. Thank you so much that you give us your grace, that you are with us, that you are for us, that you don't require us to live up to a certain level or pedigree or, uh, to belong to a certain circle. Uh, of influence or have a certain level of power or anything else. You simply love us because that's who you are. Help us to love. Help us to live as citizens in a manner worthy of the gospel through a life of humble service to those around us, To, to those who are more like us and to those who are very different from us. I ask that you would empower us by your spirit to do that. Help us to live this way, to live up to the challenge in front of us right now by digging in deep, by doubling down, not in our positions, not in protecting ourselves, but in love, love for you and love for those around us. Maybe you're watching or you're listening and you haven't yet begun your life as a Christ follower, but you want to be in on the grace that God has. I'm going to say a prayer, just make it your own. God, here I am. I want to be part of your people. I want to be a citizen of heaven. I want to be part of your family. Make me that. I give you my life. All of it. All of the glories. All of the shame. All of the triumphs. All of the tragedies. And everything in between. I give it all to you. I am yours. Father, for anyone who made that commitment... To you, I pray that you would give them your spirit right now. That they would experience your actual presence and power in their lives. That they would be encouraged. That they would be overjoyed because of your presence with them in this moment. And that you would build them up as they progress forward in this new life. And again, God, for all of us, help us to be encouragers. As we have been encouraged. We love you and we thank you. For your grace and your goodness. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well you guys, thanks for joining us today. Um, I hope that you get to be with us next week. We are going to be talking. It's going to be more challenging. It's going to be something very deep that Paul's calling us into um, uh, that God is calling us into through the words of the Apostle Paul. So I encourage you, um, read ahead, uh, read on into chapter 2, get familiar with it, and, uh, and come back next week and join with us. All right, have a great week, you guys. I look forward to talking to you later.